Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Peter 1, verse 10. We do have more flyers available, so if you want to get those after service, you can for next Sunday night. 2 Peter 1, verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Somebody say diligence. To make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things... If you do these things, you shall never, never, never fall. I don't know about you, but I don't want to fall. I may stumble. I may trip up. But no final fall. Rejoice. Not against me. Oh, my enemy. Because when I fall, I shall arise. So I don't think Peter's talking about a stumble here and there. I think he's talking about an ultimate failure. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And if you'll do these things, you will never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Amplified Bible says it like this, Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, if you will work to make your calling and election sure, you will never stumble or fall. I want to preach to you tonight this subject, settle it. Settle it. Settle it. Settle it. Father, thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together with people of like precious faith. Thank you for the privilege of the opportunity to exalt and lift up your name tonight, the name that is above every other name. We honor you. We have honored you not only with our words, but also, I believe, by our actions. And I thank you for that opportunity. Father, I pray now that through your word, your spirit would minister. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives in this place tonight. I ask you again tonight, God, do not let me simply preach a sermon to take time in this service, but allow me to be a conduit through which your word can flow and your spirit can minister. I trust you and depend on you tonight, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It has been my experience, of course, 
from a legal standpoint, we, we can't say we counsel because there's not any ministers at Antioch that are licensed counselors and from a legal standpoint and a liability standpoint we we cannot technically say we counsel so with that disclaimer when we counsel my experience has been most of the time people walk in with some symptoms They come to talk about those things that they have identified only to find out those are not the real issue. I've actually been on the, been on the receiving end of that myself at times where I sat down to talk with somebody and I thought I had a grasp on what the issue was only to find out there was something else that if I would deal with this, it would take care of this. You can deal with a symptom and you can get some kind of momentary relief by dealing with a symptom. But unless you deal with the root, you will still continue to deal with the problem. The world is full of dealing with symptoms. We medicate it. We numb it. We do all kinds of stuff that will get you through symptoms, but they don't deal with the root. And so I don't know about you, but it's not only been the the focus of my ministry in in situations where I have sat and conversed with people. (laughs) To find the root. Let's talk for a little while and let's kind of meander around, as Brother Shelton would say, but let's figure out what the root is, because if we can get to the root, we can take care of the symptoms. In fact, most of the symptoms will take care of themselves if we can just get to the root of the problem. I've come to, I've come to challenge and encourage tonight, I guess, a little bit of both and maybe a few more things before it's all over with, but I've come to help us tonight. I've come to preach to me tonight. You can listen to me preach to me. I I, want to get something settled because the verse I read to you says, if you can make your calling and election sure, you don't have to worry about falling. You see, we spend so much time worried about falling, we never stop long enough to make sure that the calling and election is sure. In, in, the, in the sports world, in, in the, the three major sports, at least the three major sports in, in the U.S., uh, each of those sports, NBA, MLB, and NFL, all have drafts. Uh, NBA, the National Basketball Association, and the NFL, the National Football League, for all of you non-sports individuals here tonight, uh, those two drafts seem to be a lot more uh, uh, publicized and, and more of a production. And In fact, I don't even have a clue when the Major League Draft takes place, and it just kind of seems to go by unless you are a real baseball fan that follows that kind, that side of it. You, you probably don't even know, but, but they make a production. They make a pretty big production out of the NBA and the NFL draft. They, they, they set up in, uh, sometimes in New York and I guess other places and it's televised and, and, and you can, I mean, you can sit if you want and watch the draft. Woohoo! 
How exciting is that? And so what happens is teams are selected in various orders but various criteria to pick. And so it's, it's, it's always a big deal who gets the first pick. First couple of picks, really, in some ways. But that first pick is the one that's, you know, it's always, who's going to be the, the first pick of the NFL draft? Who's going to be the first pick of the NBA draft? And, and the guys that are expected to get picked and the guys that have a good chance of being the top pick or the top several picks, they are usually present in the, the, the arena or whatever it is where they are having the draft. And so they are sitting there and can hear right away when the commissioner pulls out the card and states the name that such and such a team has now selected such and such a player. The further down you go and the less likely it is or the less certain it is you will be drafted, you will sit at home and you will perhaps watch the draft from home with your cell phone on the table waiting to see if, in fact, you get called. But, but... You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff. There's all kind of planning and preparation that a team puts into the draft and determining their pick. And some teams will actually make trades and and they will reposition themselves to get higher up to get to the to be able to pick the guy they want. In the in the NFL draft, particularly, it is known that it is not uncommon for the first pick or the first somebody that's in the first couple of picks to be a bust. Meaning they do not meet up to their potential. In fact, if you went home tonight, because none of you would do it right now, because the only thing you ever do on your phone during church is look up scriptures, nothing else. So I know you wouldn't do anything else right now because you're just all so wonderful. You don't text, you don't social media, you don't check scores. You just simply read scriptures and take notes. That's the only thing you do. And so since you wouldn't do anything else, I'd make a decent politician, wouldn't I? (laughs) You can go home tonight and if you would just simply type in NFL draft busts, you will find multiple links to multiple articles and lists. You can, you can get the top number of, 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 of players that were drafted. I, I could name a couple of names tonight that a few of you would, would recognize. I, I won't name any names of any teams that are relatively local to add salt in any wounds right now that, you know, top draft picks that were the next greatest thing to hit the DC area just didn't quite pan out, but we won't, we won't get to, you know, <laughs> I mean, some of us that are cheering for 11 and 1 teams, you know, we'll stay away from some of that other stuff and we'll just kind of leave it alone right now. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's the name that 
usually comes to my mind first, and other guys I'm sure would think of others, but a guy by the name of Ryan Leaf is one that I... Top on the list, man. He's the next greatest thing. Of course, another one that's... I don't think he was number one pick, but old Johnny Football, he was number two. Old Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. I know some of you I'm speaking Greek to right now. Hang on, I'll get spiritual in a moment. The, the point is that just because you are selected is no guarantee of the future. I am not a, I am, I am, a, I am neutral with regards to this individual. I am not pro, I am not against. I'm just using the example. But 199th pick in the draft, 100, number 199, the sixth round of the draft is the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Has been the winner in several Super Bowls now. Number 199, sixth round. So the, the point is that just because a team picks you and decides you're the one they want, there is no guarantee of future performance. And I've come as a part of the message tonight to communicate to you that God is not like an NFL franchise with a draft pick who chooses you in hopes of what you might become. He doesn't pick you with his fingers crossed that you will pan out and meet your potential. When God calls you, inclusive in that call is the certainty of the future. It's not a risk. It's not a gamble that he's taken. It's not a matter of let's just see what might happen. When God says, I pick you, in that pick is a plan. In that pick is a purpose. In that pick is provision. In that pick, every step is ordered by him. And so it's a guaranteed pick. So instead of trying to figure out the future, instead of trying to figure out everything that's to come, you and I just need to do one thing. Let's just settle the call. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just settle the call. Because if I can just get the call settled, everything else going to take care of him of itself. Amen. Now, I, 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 I was going to say it at some point. Let me just go ahead and insert it right now. If you think, and I know all of you are smart enough to not think this, but just to make sure it's clear, I am not preaching to you tonight that you get on your spiritual couch, kick back with your Coca-Cola and your popcorn, and just wait to see what God does. That's not what I'm preaching. 
You've got to engage yourself in the call. You've got to respond to the call. And you've got to go where he says go and do what he says do. But if you can just settle the call. Not the call that you got from the NFL franchise, but the call. That when he calls, he already knows every inability, every weakness, everything that disqualifies me, everything that I'm not capable of doing, every, every personality flaw that I have. Every, not only does he know what I have, but he knows what the future holds and everything that I will face. He knows the ups and the downs that I will go through. He knows the valleys that I will have to walk through. And yet when he calls me, wrapped up in that call is the certainty that whatever the future holds, I can take you through it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The word calling there in 2 Peter 1 and 10 means a... I think I got my words mixed up here. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's a call. It's an invitation. Come. The word election is a selection. In fact, according to Strong's, it is a divine selection. I am to make my invitation and my selection sure. I just need to get that settled. Oh, Jesus. I just need to get that settled. Here's the word sure. The word or the root word for sure. He said to make your calling and election sure. The word there, the root word for sure is a stepping. It is a walking. It is that with which one steps. Mm. It is that with which one steps. I am stepping with my call and my election. You'll get it, I think, I hope. I am stepping with my calling and my election. My footing is my calling and my election. What gives stability to my life is my calling and my election. What gives me a, a, a rock in the midst of the storm is my calling and my election. And when I make my calling and election sure, the thing with which I step, I can be guaranteed that I will not fall. I will not fall. I don't need to try to figure out next year. I don't need to figure out what's going to happen down the road. I just need to get one thing settled. I'm called. Yeah. 
And I've been elected. Not only have I been given an invitation, but beyond an invitation, he's reached down and said, I want you. I've got something for you. I'm going to do something in you and through you. And so now my job is to make that sure. Some of you are worried about the future. Quit worrying about the future. Get the call settled. Get it settled. I've been called. I've been selected. Being confident, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will, 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 will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If he starts it, you can be guaranteed he will finish it. If he starts a work, he has every intention of finishing the work. Anybody besides the right house have unfinished projects? Something you started but did not finish for whatever reasons? Some of you, it's because you get your rush from the starting of the project. And once you get beyond the rush of the starting of the project, you're done. You're ready to move on to something else. Other times, it's because uh, the, the resources run out, the, the means to get it done runs out. And so you are, you, you want to finish, but you just can't finish. I've come to tell you tonight, there is someone. That whatever he starts, he will finish. Whatever he starts, he will finish. I don't have to hope. I don't have to wish. I don't have to beg. I don't have to plead. I just have to stay in the process. Because if I will stay in the process, the originator will finish the process. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. The word author there does not mean the writer of a book. The word author there is the originator. So I am looking unto Jesus, the one that started it, but he's also the one that is going to finish it. So I've just got to stay in the race. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now, now, now are we the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. 
I don't know everything I'm going to be. I don't know everything I'm going to become in him. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I don't know everything I'm going to be tomorrow, but stick around. Because before it's all over with, I'm going to be exactly what it is he called me to be. Shall be. I just need to settle. I have a hope. I have a hope. I have a hope. And that hope is working. And that hope is doing what is necessary in me. If I will just continue to stay in the process and make myself available, I have a guarantee it's going to work. God has no draft busts. God makes no gambles when he selects you. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. also got good news for all of us. You and I did not volunteer for this. Excuse the grammar, but it's just the way I feel like saying it. Ain't nobody ever found Jesus. Because Jesus ain't never been lost. So you never found him. He found you. And may have been kind enough to let you think you found him. But there's no man that comes to him unless he draws them. So the only one that's ever been lost is not him. It's you and it's me. You know what? I I think there are lots of prayers we pray that are very sincere but probably are not really biblical. One of those prayers we pray. If you grew up in church and you went to youth camp and you went to youth congress and you had any kind of desire and hunger for God, you probably can recall a moment or two at that time when you prayed one of those prayers. And, 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 and there probably was a little bit of whimpering and whining in the request because there was an uncertainty of the response. Oh, God, use me. God, use me. I prayed it. Again, I'm not picking on anybody. I prayed it with tears. I prayed it laid out on the floor. Oh, God, use me. God, I want to be used by you. Because I'm not really sure you've picked me and called me, so i got to try to volunteer. So actually, I'm really kind of more of a begging. Please use me. Oh, the bottom line is if you and I prayed that prayer, it's because he put it in our heart to pray it. But, But none of us volunteered. We were drafted. And we weren't drafted because when you hit a certain age, it was an obligation to sign up to be drafted. 
you were drafted because before, I, 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 don't, I don't have it in the notes, but I, I, it just came to me during service. Y'all just going to have to bear with me. I ain't really been able just to preach for a while. It's been appreciation services and baby dedications and other preachers. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, let's back up. The words of Jeremiah, the son of whoever, priests that were whatever, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, in the fifth month. Then, then, then the word of the Lord came unto me. Before I formed you in the belly Wow, I just lost my place. I'll have to look up there. I knew you. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Let's just make it plain. Before your mama got pregnant. I didn't just know you when you was in the belly. I knew you before the belly. And before you came forth out of the womb. I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the name. Before you ever went to youth camp and before you ever went to youth congress and before you ever went to manifest or meet or call to war or any other thing, before you ever breathed your first breath, I had sanctified you and ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Next verse, please. Then said I, ah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I can't speak. I am a child. How do you respond to what God said with that? Next verse. But the Lord said unto me, say not I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Next verse. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plan. Anybody feel like throwing down a little bit? There it is. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod and an almond tree and it goes on. I'm a child. I'm disqualified. I'm not capable. So he says, before I formed you. (laughs) You understand, God does not create you and then figure out purpose. Oh, my, 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 my. God does not start your life and then go, well, let me see if I can figure out now what I'm going to do with this life. 
Oh, hallelujah. Before he starts your life, he creates your purpose. Well, I'm not a prophet. No, maybe not. Maybe I'm not called to be what Jeremiah was called to be. But if God is not a respecter of persons, I said, if God's not a respecter of persons, he may not have known me before my mother's womb and called me a prophet, but he knew me before my mother's womb and called me something and established a purpose for me before I was ever born. I've come to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to twist God's arm. You're not trying to convince God to let you be a part of what he's doing. Before you were ever born, God decided that there was a purpose. Your job is to settle it. Settle it. I've shared this before. I don't do it all the time, but for a couple of years now, I've gotten into saying, and a lot of times it'll be, it'll be at some point before I'm preaching or some point during a day when I'm going to minister, but I try to say it other days, and that is, I am called, I am chosen, and I am anointed. I am called, I am chosen, and I am anointed. He's called me, he's decided to use me, and then he has equipped me with what I need to do what he has called me for. You may not be called to stand where I stand. You may not be called to do what I do. But I say to every breathing individual in this sanctuary tonight, you are called. Settle it. You're called. Settle it. You're called. I've come to preach this tonight partly with the burden that if we are going to get where God has intended for us to go, we've got to settle it. We gotta quit questioning it. We gotta quit doubting it. We gotta quit asking for him to confirm it and confirm it and confirm it and confirm it. I only know of one time God spoke to Noah about building an ark. There were no follow-up conversations that we know of. There were no signs that he got. There was no men that came along with a word from God to confirm the word. It was one word. Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah says, I'm called. And if if I'm called to build an ark, I don't care how crazy it is. I don't care how ridiculous it seems. I'm called. I'm going to do it. And if I'll respond to the call and I'll do my part, then he will do his part. F.B. Meyer in his book, Joshua. F.B. Meyer has got a number of books about various biblical characters in his book about Joshua. I was reading it several months ago and I came across this statement. I now have it typed up and printed out and it's taped to my screen on my computer in my office. The supreme inquiry for each of us when summoned to a new work is not whether we possess sufficient strength 
our qualification for it. But if we have been called to it of God. And when that is so, there is no further cause for anxiety. The supreme inquiry for each of us when summoned to a new work is not whether we possess sufficient strength or qualification because there is a simple answer to that inquiry. No, you don't. But if we have been called to it of God and when that is so, there is no Further cause for anxiety. I am tired of living with anxiety. Realize a bunch of you are other places on Sunday morning. So permit me for a moment to share what is relevant. I was not here this morning. I was in Imesville, Maryland. Christian Life Center, Brother Libby's Church. There was a several services this weekend as there was a pastoral change that is taking place and brother re libby is retiring and brother sean libby is becoming the pastor and i was friday night there for a service in which bishop was the preacher and a banquet yesterday and then we went there this morning my whole family for the service as brother sean and his wife sister monique were anointed ordained this morning as the pastors of that uh of, of that congregation I'm sitting there in service, and I get the text that goes out Sunday morning, and I see that this morning was the lowest Sunday we've had since I've been back in Arnold. 146 adults. Sorry, folks, that's nothing compared to what's been the norm. I got to tell you, Brother Middleton, I'm tired of living with anxiety. I am called. And if I am called, doesn't matter what we had today, Mike. Doesn't matter what we have next week. Doesn't matter if it goes down to ten of us. I am called. And he which hath begun a good work Because God never calls anyone to fail. Ah, some of you are with me. Some of you aren't. Not because you, not because you got a problem, but you just, you just can't quite let your faith go. God calls no one to fail. God calls no one to fail. You may not be called to the same kind of ministry that somebody else that seems to have more glamorous results than others, but no one is called to fail. You may be called like a Stephen to preach one message, and at the end of that message you lose your life. But that is not a failure, that is a success. Because if I do what I've been called to do, no matter what measurements you use, as long as I do what I'm called to do, I have succeeded. 
I preach to some people tonight that you're trying to fulfill a calling that's not your calling because you're measuring yourselves by yourselves and comparing yourselves among yourselves. You don't need to figure out what your call is so that you can compete with somebody else. You just need to figure out what your call is. Because when you get your call and you find your place and God starts doing in you and through you what he's called you to do, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anyone else's victories are. I just need to be what I have been called to be. I preach to care group leaders tonight that have been called. I preach to Sunday school teachers that have been called. I preach to congregation elders that have been called. I preach to other types of ministry leaders that have been called. I preach to people tonight without a title of any position that have been called. Settle it. Settle it. Settle it. Settle it. Joshua 1 verse 1, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Can I put it to you this way? That's a call. That's an election. You I have selected to go. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And I just want you to get something, Joshua. I just want you to settle something in your own spirit. As I was with Moses, so I... I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. You haven't even crossed the river yet. You haven't even taken the first territory yet. But let me just tell you, before it's all over with, you're going to divide the land for an inheritance. Because I swore it to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. As I was with Moses, let's get it settled. I'm with you. To Isaac, he confirmed the promise that he made to Abraham. Because every generation's got to get their own call. 
Every generation's got to get their own call. Because you can't live off of somebody else's call. You can't live off of somebody else's election. You've got to settle. I've got one for myself. I've been given one God by God for me. I appreciate those that came before me and their calling and their election. But I now have received my own. And so the same surety they had because of God's call for them is the same surety I have. Not because of what God promised them, but because God has called me. I sat this weekend, I I told the elders, I went for several different reasons. I had a couple of very specific reasons that I went this weekend to participate, to be there. And as I was sitting there, it was somewhat surreal because there was so many similarities to what I was observing and participating in by being there as to us here. Brother Libby was saved at the end of 1971. And in 1974, just, just two years. How many, any, anybody here tonight been, been a part? You've been here about two years? Anybody? You've been saved about two years? Anybody? Mr. Kelly there. About two years. At... <laughs> At about two years of being saved, went by himself, his wife, and two very small actually I don't even know if Joy was born yet, their daughter, to start a church. Two years of being saved. Not a daughter work, not a preaching point, a church. And so they have built a great church for many years that was in Gaithersburg and now is in Imesville, a great church. In fact, it's not just a great church, Maryland, it's a great church throughout the UPC, great church. And I sat there and I watched and, and, and much like was the case with my parents when they came, they, they talked about, how many of you ever uh remember going to their old building and and out right by the road at their old building there was an old historic church little old church building that building was built at the end of the 1800s they started their church in that church another church owned it but they rented and they they told friday night as they were going through some of the history there was no running water no running water. They had to get uh, uh, an outhouse for church, porta potty. The source of heat apparently was just one big grate in the middle of the floor that in the wintertime you'd have to kind of get close by it to get some heat. They had a they they got a water cooler put in in the foyer that they said during the coldest times of winter you couldn't even drink from it because it'd freeze up. And out of that, they dug out what is now Christian life center. Brother Whaley, Brother Libby went with a call. Bishops told the story at times here and he told it there. 
or Brother Libby, or no, somebody during the course of the service referred. They were at a conference just a couple of years into him being in church. They were at a conference, and, and, and Brother Libby gets up and goes to Bishop, and, and, they, and they both knew. They knew something was happening. He was going somewhere. He was called. Most of us have heard the stories of Bishop. The call, the vision of a white building on a four-lane highway outside of Annapolis. The, the call to come and to start something from nothing. And I got to tell you, I have battled and battled and battled because there's, that, that's so intimidating. Sorry, I, I, that's in, I don't know what your perspective is. I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought about it from my perspective or not, but that's intimidating. I look at what my parents came and dug out with nothing, literally nothing, surviving off of nothing, coming into town with a couple of hundred dollars to their pocket, but they came with a call. And they came having made their calling and election sure. And so I'm sure there were days for both the Libbies and my parents as well that there was some, there was some challenges to the faith and there was some challenges to the vision, but they were always able to go back. I have a call. We've heard it for 45 years now of a white building that God is going to give this church that this isn't the one that God, but, but the vision that Bishop has lived with since 19, the late sixties and prior to coming here. And he came with a call and he's lived with a call. But you know what? I got a revelation. I'm not here tonight. I'm not in the position I'm in. I haven't had to go someplace new. I haven't had to go someplace just to gross all by myself with my wife and my kids and dig something out from nothing. But I... I'm called. And that's right, Brother Whaley. It is no less of a call. And so, by the help and grace of God, I am settling the call. I'm not just here because somebody by default said, you got to do this or you're the one. But actually, before God ever sent Chester Wright to Annapolis, Maryland, God decided that at this point in time, David Wright would now be where he is because of a call. And so I say to every one of you tonight that sit here with me, you and I are not those that have just stumbled into something that somebody else was called to. They were called but we sit tonight with our own call and because of that call if we will just settle it we can have the assurance we're going to go where the call is intended to take us you know what not everybody here knows what's going on. Brother Trombley and Sister Trombley are transitioning out of the eastern shore, feeling like it's time for them to move on to something else. These two gentlemen right here under the under the oversight of Brother Middleton are stepping into a role. Can I tell you guys something tonight? Before Brother Trombley ever went to the eastern shore, God already had Jason Wharton and Nathan Rafter knowing how to position them with a call. 
I preach to every Sunday morning ministry leader here tonight. You're not where you are by accident. You're not where you are by default. You are there with a call and you need to settle it. And if you can't settle it, you need to give up and go do something else and find out what's the call. Oh, Jesus. Moses, what I promised Abraham, I'm going to use you to get my people to the edge of. You're going to get them to the edge of. But I'm going to call somebody else that's going to take them in it. Oh, Jesus. This wasn't in the notes either, but here we go. One of my favorite couple of verses. Most of you know my favorite verse, but these are a couple of my favorite verses. Hebrews chapter 11 I know there's not a whole kinds of emotional whatever, but I believe the Holy Ghost is doing something in this place tonight. Chapter 11 goes through the heroes of faith and the men and women of faith and what they accomplished. And there's all kinds of names listed in there that are most, some of the most recognizable names out of all of scripture. There's some that their name is not exactly mentioned, but what they did was mentioned and you know who they are. But then at the end of it, it says this. And these all got a good report card through faith. They all got a good report through faith. But they received not the promise. <laughs> Oh, help us, Jesus. They got a good report. They did their part. Many of them were the recipient of the promise. They were the ones that got the promise firsthand, but they did not see the promise. God... God, God, having provided some better thing for us, that's you and me, that they, without us, Mm. Well, it's 2016, and Antioch had glorious, great years in the 70s and the 80s, and harvest and revival, and we keep hearing about it, but I think we're just kind of the, we're the leftovers. They, Windsor Avenue, YMCA, Warehouse, Orange Auditorium, without us, Selah, 
they without us. They without us are not made perfect or complete. Oh, Jesus. When you are getting down to the end of the game, and it's not a blowout, and you're still in the game, you purposely put the guys in the game that you know can get the job done. You don't look at the guys on the practice squad and say, hey, go in there and let's hope you succeed. You put the people in the game that you know when the game is on the line, they can do what needs to be done. I know Peter and James and John and David and Daniel and Joseph and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Silas and Joseph and Ruth and Naomi and Sarah and were really great. In fact, we've got them up on these pedestals that we look to with such awe that we feel like we are nothing. But the Bible says that they, without us, are not complete. God, having provided some better thing for us. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made thee, sorry, I missed some verses here. Let me go back. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the. If I'm called, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Oh, Jesus. If I'm called and I settle the call, there's nothing to worry about in the future. Because I've been given a promise that it's all going to work for my good. Now, if you haven't settled the call, you might want to worry about the future. But if you'll settle the call, you don't have to worry about the future because the guarantee is it will work according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And who he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say to 146 this morning? What shall we say to probably less than 300 in this sanctuary tonight? If God be for us. If God be for us. Who or what 
can be against me. So I say to you tonight, whatever the obstacles and the challenges and the difficulties in your life are, if you are called, then you as well ought to be able to say in your life, if God be for me, then who or what can be against me? Because everything is going to work for my good. Genesis 12 and verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. That's some of our problem. We, want, we don't want to respond to the call until we get every single detail of what it's about. He says, I want you to leave and I'm going to show you future tense. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Seventy-five years old to a man that has no children. You know what, God, this call would have been a lot more timely at about 20, 25, maybe 30, a few more years, but 75. We had a missionary come through a week ago and sat at the table. He's 43 years old and he's got a five-year-old and a 10-week-old. That's only two years younger than me. I'm glad we got ours quicker. Help but Jesus. I don't know what I'd be doing with no 10-week-old right now. Whoa. 75. 75. And at 75, uh, the problem with Abram's call was it was only the call. It was just the call. It wasn't time for the promise. It was just the call. I preached to some seasoned folks this evening. Maybe you've just gotten the call or maybe you haven't gotten it yet, but I've here to tell you tonight, if you're breathing, there's a call. And if there's a call, you can be assured that if you will make that calling sure, no matter how impossible the circumstances look, God will do what he said he would do. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the substance that they had gathered, and the souls of they that had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came, and Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And then we skip ahead to what the New Testament has to say. And in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says this, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who believe, whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope. Let me tell you something, at 75 years old, if you haven't had a child yet, you might as well quit hoping. 
is beyond time to hope. But against hope, he believed in hope. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Believing in hope. Hmm. Another message for another night. But too good to pass up for the moment. When you get an understanding of what biblical hope is, you don't just hope, but you believe in hope. Because tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is set abroad in our hearts. And hope is not just a dropping of a penny and a wishing well, and hoping. It's not closing your eyes and blowing out candles and hoping. Hope is a confident expectation that I've been called. And if I've been called, if I'll just stay in the process, what God has called me for, He he will do. So Abraham believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither the, yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded. That kind of sounds to me like being sure. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Not every parent that makes a promise and breaks the promise is a bad parent. <coughs> Sometimes you make a promise based on certain expectations and then the resources to fulfill the promise don't come through and you can't keep the promise. <coughs> But when God makes a promise, he has already planned and calculated and determined how he was going to fulfill the promise. And so Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he not only would do, but he was able to do it. The words fully persuaded come from the Greek word that means this, to carry out fully. In evidence, it means to completely assure or convince, entirely accomplish, sorry. <coughs> Something stuck in my throat. <coughs> it means to bear or bring full, to make full. Balls, 10 seconds for station identification. To cause a thing to be shown to the full. To carry through to the end. To accomplish. Oh, God. He's going to do it all the way to the end. My job is to settle the call because if I settle the call, I can be fully persuaded. I I know the scripture doesn't tell us this. I'm sorry, I, I acknowledge it's to some degree just my imagination, but since 
as human beings, we have some things that are just common about us. I think it's safe to assume that this probably happened because I've done this at different ways in my life. I can imagine as David was running for his life from Saul, when the odds were completely against him, I can just imagine him replaying in his mind, seeing someone come running out to the pasture where he was and telling him, you need to come to the house. The prophet is there. And David walking in. And Samuel, under the direction of the Spirit of God, taking a horn of oil and pouring it on the head of David and anointing him to be king. You talk about a call. I'm a little envious of that call. That was an undeniable call. I can imagine there were some days, Brother Spriggs, when he was hiding out in those caves and running for his life, that he would sit there and in his mind, he would replay the call. And it does not matter what things are looking like today. It does not matter what the, the circumstances and the adversities that I face today. I have a call. And I may be pinned in a cave with my back against the wall. But somehow I'm getting out of this cave because I got a call and the call has yet to be fulfilled. I realize the majority of us here, in fact, basically every one of us here tonight does not have the experience David had. But your call and my call is no less of a call than that one was. And the same assurance and guarantee that David found in his call is the same assurance and guarantee that you and I find in our call. Last verses, Ephesians 1 and 18. Paul says this, this was, a, this was a prayer of his. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. I want your eyes to be open to the hope of his calling. I want you to get a glimpse and a grasp on the hope that you should have because of the call. The New Living Translation says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. The confident expectation that comes from the call. many of you here tonight that at some point you felt that you heard that call, you heard a call, and you started following to the best of your ability that call. 
Anybody tonight that the initial call that you got is much different than what you're doing now? Anybody? Hello? Nobody? Nobody? Y'all better just not be being honest. Otherwise, I'm going to have to stop preaching and go pray out of envy. Most of the time, the full picture is not given. Most of the time, he just simply tricks us into moving. He just kind of dangles something out there. Oh, yes. We start following only to realize eventually, wait a minute, that's, that's not this road. The problem is, if we're not careful, when the call doesn't unfold the way we expected, we start to feel like we fail. Don't want to get too personal or step on toes, but I consider him a friend, so I think he'll forgive me. I don't think you went to Bowie to start a church with the plan to come here and be a part of us. Wasn't in the plans. Wasn't in the plans. The bar went to Bowie, started a home missions church. Wasn't in the plans. Probably expected to be there for good, I'd imagine. Probably never crossed your mind to be sitting here with us. Not one time. But you know what? There was a call. Let me rephrase that. There is a call. And the call sometimes moves us in places we think is the fulfillment of the call that is only another step in the process of the fulfillment. And so when there's uncertainty because <laughs> this isn't what I thought would happen. This isn't the way. I, 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 I'll just I'll pick on me. Seven plus years ago, when I, my role at Antioch changed, that wasn't my anticipation. Seven months ago, when my role changed, that wasn't my anticipation. What I know is when he called, when he called, he knew. Oh, let, let, me, let me try to close with this. Let me, let me try to close. Esther, I'll, I'll use you, pick on you, and you come here. Mary, I think it was Mary, I believe. Mary is coming to the tomb to pay homage and honor to a buried Savior. Right? Just stay right there. She's heading to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. Let me be very careful in this one. Pick the right. Come here, Charles. Let me. You're there. You're, you're, you'll, you'll work. So, 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 so we have 
We have Mary coming to the tomb, and we got an angel. I'm going to walk a little bit, Esther. And, and, and they, 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 they cross paths. And so the angel says, what, where are you going? Mary says, I'm coming to anoint the body of Jesus. The angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? See, the difference is the point that they departed from. <laughs> Stay right there. Stay there. Mary departed from the cross. Mary departed from the tragedy. Mary was coming from the darkest day of her life to the tomb. But the angel was coming from a different point of departure. He was coming from the heavenlies. She was coming from tragedy. He was coming from victory. He was coming from the side of a resurrected Savior. She was coming from the side of a dead Savior. You see, if you will just hold on to the call and keep walking one step at a time, at some point, your path is going to cross the path of what's coming from the heavenlies. And you may not know how it unfolds, but coming from the other side. Thank you. Thank you. Preach to somebody tonight. You've got a cross behind you. You've got a dead Savior behind you. And that's your point of reference. But I've come to tell you, coming from the other side, where there is victory, and there is, a, there is, the, there is the resurrection, and there is the fulfillment of the promise. You and I are sitting in the midst of a live game playing on the field for the outcome. But God has already seen the video. God has already watched the end. As it's been said thousands and thousands of times, I have read the back of the book. And the back of the book says, no matter where I am today, no matter how down I may be, no matter how impossible it may be, I am going to win because he that started it is going to finish it. I, I, I kind of, I almost, I almost... Brother Jalen did the graphic, and, and, and I try, I really try hard to open somebody's job, let them do their job. So I did that. But I, I just got to tell you, I had this mental picture in my mind. I almost, I almost gave a little suggestion, but 
had this picture of a fist. Just settle it. Just settle it. And walk away. I understand some of you sit here tonight or stand here tonight and you can honestly say and sincerely say, Brother Wright, I just don't know yet what that call is. I'm not sure exactly what my call is. Okay, I understand that. And sometimes in God's timing, we have to go through seasons of absolute uncertainty and dark days and dark nights where we have absolutely no direction for what tomorrow holds and it seems impossible that it can ever turn around. And so I am waiting to hear exactly what the call is. And so I have no problem tonight acknowledging that some of you may not know exactly what your call is, but I can tell you one thing you can settle tonight if you want to. I may not know exactly what it is, but there is a call. I have a call. Oh, I believe. I, I know this is one of those things you kind of, I, I don't maybe you don't even think it, but I do. Well, there we go again. You're just, you're just saying it to say it. I, so that, that, so be it. But I believe we are on the verge of something we've never experienced before and God doing some things like we've never seen before. And so the way to get there is not, oh God, can you just send Brother Morgan or send Brother Hood, send Brother Shelton, send Brother Gonzalez, send somebody, God, to reassure us of the promise. Forget the promise. Forget the promise. Settle the call. Part of the reason you don't get all of the promise is you couldn't believe most of it if he told you. Who, me? You have been chosen by the Almighty to be the womb by which the Messiah enters the world. Me? How can this be? Well, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you and cause something to be conceived in you that may seem impossible, but it's going to produce it. And so she says, be it unto me according to your word.
This altar is open. Somebody that needs, wants to respond to the Holy Ghost tonight to make your, your, your calling and election sure. Some of you are trying to figure out the future. Some of you are worried about jobs and spouses and mates and all kinds of things for your future. You just need to forget all of that and just get the call assured. Because if you make the call sure, God's got all the questions. God's got all the problems. God's got all the difficulties already worked out. You've just got to settle. I am called. I've been invited and I've been selected. I haven't just been given an invitation, but God has followed up the invitation with a divine selection of me. Come on. Come on. Oh, somebody tonight, this is your night. To leave once and for all settled. I am called. Some of you leave tonight knowing not only that you have a call, but knowing the call. But others of you, you may not get all of the specifics of what the call is, but you can leave tonight with the assurance and the certainty I am called come on the Holy Ghost has spoken the Holy Ghost has spoken it's the will of God for us to leave tonight settled confirmed in our hearts and our spirits somebody Somebody give diligence tonight. Somebody give diligence tonight to making your calling and your election sure. It's not about somebody else tonight. It's not about somebody else's call. It's not about this church's call. It's not about Antioch's call tonight, but it's about you and it's about me as the individuals that God has called. Come on, quit trying to settle the future. Quit trying to work out the future. Quit trying to figure out the future. Stop hoping about the future and just settle the call. If you'll settle the call, the future will take care of itself. If you'll settle the call one step at a time, one day at a time, God will unfold the future. You just need to settle the call. I bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of fear. 
I bind every spirit of unbelief tonight that wars against the individuals in this sanctuary, that wars against the minds of the people in this service. I pray faith right now upon the heart of the receiver. I pray faith right now upon minds and hearts and spirits to not just hear, but to receive. If you've got a call, if you've assured that call, if you've made that call sure, then whatever season you're in, whatever circumstances you're in right now, you can hold on with confidence. I'm going to get through this. This isn't how it ends. This isn't where it ends. This isn't my destination. I have been called. I may be in a valley right now, but I've been called. I may be in a dark time right now, but I've been called. I might be in the most difficult season I've ever been through, but I'm assured of a call. And so somehow, some way, I will make it through. Oh, Ikahayando Robo say, God, help us, help us to settle it tonight. Help us to settle it tonight, God. I pray that by your grace and by the working and the moving of your spirit in this sanctuary tonight, that every individual that desires it would leave this place having settled it. I'm called. I'm called. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall because I've made my calling. And my election sure. I'm not gonna fail. My future is not gonna end in failure because I've made my calling and my election sure. And I am staying yielded, I am staying pliable in the hands of the potter. And so I am trusting that He which has begun. A good work in me is going to complete that work. God, we may not have the tangible oil flowing down our head that David had. We may not have a dream like Joseph had. We may not have a wrestling match like Jacob had, but I pray that the call in our lives would be just that real to each one of us. Just that sure, just that certain. Ia la bo shatam. 
Brother Wright, I'm failing. Brother Wright, I, I'm failing. I failed. I don't see how the call can be fulfilled. Well, why don't you ask David? David, how after adultery, how after plotting murder, can you still sit on a throne? I'll tell you how. Because when God called you, He knew in advance every failure on your journey. When God called you, He knew every mistake you would make. When God called you, He knew every weakness you would encounter. And yet He called you in spite of those things, knowing that He's able to fulfill the call even through failure. Look at Peter, having had the keys to the kingdom, but now denying him. And yet Jesus shows up on the banks of a river, on the banks of a sea. Not to reject, not to judge, not to punish, but to restore. Doesn't make my failures okay. It doesn't make my failures acceptable. But in advance, in advance, when God called me, He knew. He knew there would be days I would fall. The prophet Isaiah said before that notable verse, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The verses before that say, Even the youth shall faint, and the young men shall grow weary. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All of that comes after some stumbling and some falling. But my calling and my election that is sure is going to bring me through my calling my election is going to be the anchor that on those stormy days when the waves are tossing and the winds are blowing and the rains are being beating down the bible says we have an anchor we have an anchor. My hope is an anchor that keeps me through the storms of life. My calling and my hope in that calling is what brings me through the dark days and the difficult days and the failures and the mistakes. He knew. He knew, He knew <laughs> before He called you and before He called me, He knew. He knew that we were earthen vessels, but He also knew that He could invest the excellency of the power in us 
because it's not about us. It's all about Him. If you need to go, you're welcome to go, but I'm asking you for a few more moments here, those of you that will, to be mindful and respectful and even open to what the Holy Ghost is still doing in this sanctuary. In the name of Jesus. Let us leave this place tonight, God. Let us walk out of this sanctuary tonight, having settled it. Let us leave this place tonight, God, having made our calling and our election sure. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the middle of my uncertainty, my calling can be sure. In the middle of my world that may be rocking and reeling, in circumstances I never expected, my calling and my election can remain sure and keep me through. Get me to the other side. Because I wasn't called to die in failure. I wasn't called to die in defeat. I'm called to be more than a conqueror. I was called to be more than a conqueror. 
the name of Jesus. In 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 the name of Jesus. Anybody else needs more flyers? They're on the platform. 